It may be sunny in LA, but I stay bringing the shade. You think you have me figured out? Until you don't. This is Black Reality Kiki with AJ. And your girl, Fresha. We're getting into season 14 of The Real Housewives of Atlanta. It's all about the shade, the drama, and the slays. Come, Come take, take a, a BRK. BRK. We're back, girl. We're back, we're back, we're back. And honey, this week is giving Gaslight Express. Absolutely. Yeah, what the heck? I don't understand, like... Honestly, when I saw the title, I was like, are we really about to go here? But when we got into the episode, I understood why. Absolutely. Yeah, no, we get the full tea. Once we start watching, it starts to get crazy. Honey, let's just dive into it, shall we? Absolutely. Let's do it. First thing, are you good? You good? How's your mind? Your mental clear? Your spirit refreshed? Let me just, let me just take a deep breath in, deep breath. Yeah, feeling good. We're uh, recording on a Tuesday, which is different for us. I know we have some travel going on, but you know, we're here and ready to kiki about the second episode of the season. Yes, honey, and I'm so excited. So we definitely opened with Miss Sonia Mm -hmm. and her family, Mm -hmm. and we find out that it's a full house over there, no pun intended, like quite literally nine people in a house but it seems to work for them because they're a big happy family and and everything is everything and it's fine so my question to you after i watch it because i'm like would i do this would you ever bring your family to live with you and your husband like do you think that crosses boundaries or do you think you know it's all in the family and we could just have a good old time i mean i first want to know like take inventory of how many bedrooms and bathrooms like don't get me wrong, the house seems very beautiful. Um, seems like a nice house in a nice neighborhood. But if you got grandma, grandpa, husband, son, auntie, brother-in-law, and two nephews, mm-hmm. that's giving eight. A whole two families. Eight folks in one house. I mean, would I ever... If I had the means and I had, you know... My my private guest house, you know, a whole wing dedicated to the grandparents so they can have their own space, a kid's area so they can have their own space, you know, a little space for the na- the living nanny, the au pair to take care of the kids. Mm-hmm. Then absolutely. I think the biggest factor is the space. But, I mean, it is a beautiful story. Um, you know, she relocated her family to um, Atlanta and is really starting trying to plant roots for herself and her extended family. So, I mean, I applaud it, but I'm going to just drop this on you. What's that? Patty Gate. Honey. Patty Gate. <laughs> now, I love me a good beef patty, too. So, I understand the struggle of being able to make sure that nobody steal your patties. But they all had their own box. They don't want to share with each other. It's all in a family. No. Again, inventory. How many patties? Okay, I had one on Monday, one yesterday. So, I should have five patties left, according to... The inventory list. Honey, it's giving Krusty Krab over there. It was so funny. Her mom was just like, oh, so we counting now? We ca-, Which is funny because that's exactly the type of reaction I would expect from, like, a mom or yeah. a grandma. Like, it's, but it's, it's true, though. It's like, okay, in my mind, I was coming down the stairs this morning to have breakfast, and I just knew I was going to have a patty. Honey, get grandma her patty, Sonya. Dang. She said, that's the last time I'm going to bring patties for you. <laughs> I said, okay. 
I think she might have a give Miss Joyce a refund money over here. Oh, that is a good point. Okay. We need to talk about the because actually we saw at least two mothers in this episode. So it's funny that um you bring that up because honey, sometimes them grandmas, the mamas they, they be, be creeping, creeping in. in. And really coming through for the content. Exactly. The content. And I think Sonya is going to be the type that wants to put, you know, all of her family into her story. So I'm here for it. You know, give us all the content. Give us the 360, if you will, Sonya. Give it to us all. Right. And I mean, her whole family is extremely beautiful. Yeah. So Gorgeous. I, I just want to look at them all day. Same, so same. here for it. Honey, so then we get our first full look at the Chateau of the Season. And honestly, it was giving good. It was giving glamorous. It was giving Hollywood opulence. Like, I am a fan of Chateau Charade. It doesn't look too overdone. It looks like, you know, she took her time. It's classy. I was a fan. What are your thoughts? Those ceilings, that's how you know there's some bread. It's the taller the ceilings, mm-hmm. the taller the bank account. Mm-hmm. Honey, even Kenya called that out. She sure did. These ceilings in the basement. Listen, when you see those tall, tall ceilings, just know there's some value in that property. And um, as I mentioned earlier, we see Miss Thelma, honey, Sheree's mom, up there just kicking at the chateau, which was nice. She's a recurring character from past seasons that we see from time to time. Um, so that was that was lovely. I was here for the chateau. I mean, if those walls could talk. Like, from, correct me if I'm wrong, but from season one, we've been talking about Chateau Charest. So it's just great to see it completely finished in all its glory. It seems like it's really true to Charest's vision and her overall style, which is awesome. And honey, it made Kenya eat her words when she went down them stairs to the basement. It really did. And honey, Kenya called it out too, because she was honestly surprised. But I'm like, honey, the budget jumped out. She had a spa down there. Like just all the amenities, the The lounge, the lounge, like just everything just seemed very much her building the house and the sanctuary that she wanted. And that's what she always wanted. And so, yes, it may have taken us, you know, a few decades, but... (sighs) At least, at least, Miss Sheree got her chateau. And honestly, I must say it was worth every second of the wait. So shout out to Sheree for chateau, okay? Absolutely. Yeah, no, it was great. It was good to see see her in her home. And, you know, the first peak of the chateau of the season was we stand. Exactly. And then they kiki about the event. And, of course, Miss Marlowe comes up and how she handled you know, the lady's thoughts on, you know, how she was handling their event. And I just got one thing to say. Hit me hard. Chia pets. Ooh, the chia, the shade, the shade, the shade. Honey, the feud is starting. The feud between Marlo and Kenya has begun. We see it. We see the back and forth. We see the shade. That's where it always starts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that shade behind your back that eventually comes to your front door that's how these confrontations and the drama really unfold. So I'm just glad that, um, you know, for the sake of the story, that, you know, everything was kicked off nicely in episode one. In episode two, they're keeping that story um, alive. Happy to see that, you know, it wasn't a one and done. That feud between Marlo and Kenya, like we predicted, and we could see a, a teaser of in the trailer, um, is really starting to unfold early in the season. So it's not like we just up here like... 
okay, but what's going on? Like, when is when is everything really going to get on and popping? Um, and in that scene, Kenya brings up the assistant to Drew, who is the former assistant to Sheree, spreading tea, spreading lies, slander, if you will, about non-payment. What you think about that, A? First things first. Sheree never addresses it. Like, she never really says, oh, this is what happened or this is what we were, you know, working on together. She just throws it away, really, and it's just like, oh, I don't use him often, I think is what she said. Like, we don't work together often. And that makes me believe that, one, there may be some tea, and two, that this feud between Sheree and Drew is what's going to start to fester this season because... It's clearly going to go back up. And I see Kenya calls it out. She's like, you need to bring it up to Drew. It's almost like the girls are seeming to me to be the producers themselves this season. They really are taking charge. It really comes off that like Kenya came on and was like, okay, wait, I'm going to do this. Here's the bone we're going to draw here. Even Sanya, she came on. Okay, this is the bone that I'm going to bring in. They even bring Sanya a little bit into this conversation with um, dropping the tea or whatever. So I feel like all these girls are really just driving the conversations. I'm intrigued to know where they're going to bring this, but I'm also like, is it? You know, it's really interesting how they choose, like, the drama that they choose to show mm-hmm. on the show. Because, you know, I'm sure they get hit up all the time about this person is doing this, this drama, this um, this gossip about this person. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, it's interesting to see which of the drama they choose to entertain. I just feel like the assistant drama is a little bit played out. We've seen that with Candy in the past. Um, her assistant was claiming non-payment. You remember she he took it to uh, Fei Fei? Oh my God, yes. Attorney Phaedra parks at, at large to sue her about non-payment. It's just something we've seen before um, with these ladies. So, and I mean, it's probably not 100% accurate to be honest. So I'm not as impressed. It is interesting to your point how this will probably be the kickoff between um, Sheree and Drew's feud that we see, you know, them kind of sparring words in the trailer. I'm not as impressed. Let's put it that way. I'm not as impressed about, oh, the assistant claims this she didn't pay. I'm just saying, it's surface level stuff for me. Yeah, it seemed like a stretch. That's why I was like, it doesn't seem real. So I was just curious of what your thoughts on that. But hey, it's entertainment. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see what's going to happen. I'm sure it'll be some kind of drama that come out. Add it to the BP. Exactly. Add it to the back pocket, child. So then we get into a brief second into the Drew's house, and she's doing Drop It With Drew, and we see that there's going to be a surprise for them later that unpacks a whole slew of nonsense, so we'll get to that later. But then we get into Miss Candy and her humble abode with her man, Mr. Tucker. Mm-hmm. And we find out that Candy has yet another job. Because you know the gigs stay gigging. They do. You remember when she won Mad Singer that time? Honey, she won. I didn't know she won. Yes, she did. Candy motherfucking Burris Tucker is so iconic because she is a Broadway show producer, okay? Yeah. I mean, the um, extent to which she seems to push her career and her talents is, I mean... You can't help but just applaud. I love the way she drops it on the show. It's real, you know, once everything's wrapped up, mm. things are ready to launch or have launched and there's success behind it. And so, oh, by the way, you know I did this, right? Mm-hmm. And I did this. Mm-hmm. 
Anna did this. She was mentioning for um, that specific production, I think it was the first all-black cast for a Broadway show. I'm not 100% sure. I, I don't know if I'm, not, I'm remembering that correctly. But, I mean, one word and one word only. Iconic. Pretty iconic. Like, I did hear mixed reviews on the play, and I didn't go see it, so I can't give a formal review. But what I will say is that She's just an icon for diversifying her repertoire. Like, she has restaurants. She has plays, Broadway shows. She's still a singer, a writer, an investor of multiple businesses. She just keeps reinventing herself. And I think that just goes to show that she's here for the long run when it comes to this industry. So shout out to Ken. Mm-hmm. She's raising the bar for sure. Raising the bar. But then we also get into a condo that Todd owns with his ex in Jersey. Now, here's my thing. I get that Todd is not on Candy's title for her house, her mortgage. There you go. Mm-hmm. But that's a house that you had with your ex. Why would you keep that? Like, just sell it or rent it out or something. I'm not even mad that he kept the property. Like, you know, we all know real estate, that's a money, that's a money making game as well. But the fact that he figured they could use it as a space to go to whenever they're in New York, that's the part that just, that didn't resonate with me. Like you said, A, he could keep it, rent it out, make a few racks, passive income, if you will. Probably minimal to, to maintain the place. But to propose that they go there when they're in town. Yeah, no. I mean, but, but, but for all of those Todd fans out there, he did make the point that when they met, she was in her old home who Tom, Dick, and Harry, no shade candy, has been ran up in there. She had a little rendezvous. Talk about she didn't even flip the mattress. I mean, can we talk about the inconsistency? Like, I don't know. What are your thoughts? I mean, I definitely get his point there because he's right. You know, she did have a past just like they both had pasts. But I think for me, it's like now you're married, have been married for years with two kids. And the budget is frankly higher. So I get it. He's saying that it's a really nice place. And I'm sure it is. But I'm sure that the rent there and the budget that he had to buy that house is nowhere near the budget that he has currently for the home and homes that they currently own. Mm -hmm. So for me, and I think from Candy's perspective, it's like if we're going to get a place, we might as well just invest in a place that we both like, that we actually can stay, and then just use the old condo as an investment property. You know, that's the way that you do it. And that's why I'm shocked that he even brought it up. But, you know, these men, they, they just be in their own world and just be saying all sorts of stuff and just assuming all sorts of things. Like, boy, if you want to get me a place, get me a place. But I'm not going to stay where your old hoes used to lay her head. Bye. Not the garden tool. Yeah, I mean, I think what will continue to unfold between Candy and Todd is this kind of this consistent narrative about um, balancing work, life, family, kind of chasing their dreams, but also, you know, providing that, that consistent home front for especially them having young kids and Todd made the comment if you remember I guess they're working together less on projects and she's kind of doing her own thing in her own right obviously she is extremely talented and and, um, successful in what she does but I don't know maybe there's some resentment there that Todd is feeling that you know he's taking these bro vacations out of town every now and again when Candy's away working Um, and he continues to complain about her not being there and not maintaining that consistent home life for the young kids. 
So, I mean, I'm definitely staying tuned on how that story unfolds. I feel like it's a story that we see pretty consistently between the Tuckers. And so, truthfully, I'm rooting for them. I hope they can work through it. Candy loves to chase a bag, loves to chase a bag, and I get it. But, you know, she has two kids probably under the age of five at this point. I'm not quite sure how old Ace is. You know, I see both sides of the coin, but hey, I'm not married, but I feel like that's what marriage is about, right? Figuring out those kind of like nuances of life between family, raising kids, business, etc. Yeah, I agree. And I honestly, I remember him saying that part about, you know, them not working together often or not as much anymore. And I found that very interesting because they have multiple businesses together. Like, they are actively working together, and they have Candy at the gang. So I guess for me, when he said that, I was like, hold up, Todd. Like, y'all do have a lot of businesses together. So you can't be mad that she has a side hustle that does not have to deal with you. That just means that you should also have a side hustle that doesn't have to necessarily deal with her as well. But that doesn't mean, you know, you should be spiteful or to go, what do you say? I'm going to Miami to hang. Boy, you ain't going to do nothing but go down there and go to them strip clubs probably. Like, you're damn near 50. You got kids up here in the house. But hey. Come on now. Like, that was giving ego. He's a man. His woman is leaving him at home. To be fair, to go work. She's not going to go kiki with her girls. And that's my point. Like, if you're saying that you want to work or that she doesn't work with you that much anymore then okay why don't you find something else that you want to do as well like it it shouldn't be all about candy that was honey not to get on mama joy's side but that was mama joyce's thing like you should have your own thing going you should be doing your Mm -hmm. own thing so yeah she's out here working but okay if she's out there working then what are you doing in atlanta while you're with the kids like figure something out and i get you if you miss her just say you miss her but don't be like we don't work together, da, 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 da. Like, that's giving ego. And, honey, put that toxic masculinity to the side. The toxic masculinity should be the theme. That fragile male <laughs> ego. Okay. We'll get to more, more of that a little bit later on. Exactly. Next, we go into the candy factory, child. She hitting up a little Halloween shoot, and she kikis with Marlo. That was cute. Two for two. I hate candy's Halloween costume. Oh, no. You remember last season when they had the Halloween party at Fallon's back when she was still with Simon Chow, when she was still Mrs. Guabadia? Wasn't it given just like a black bodysuit or something? No, it was the makeup. She had the cat, like the mouth, nose piece. It just, oh, it, you yeah, remember? Yeah, 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 she, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. you would think about Portia. Portia had the sexy black cat suit with the cat ears. Maybe a little cat paw situation around the wrist. Keep it pushing. That's how you do sexy cat. Okay. Honey, she should have been a sexy cat in front of Simon, but anyway. Candy. That's when that eye started to wander. Candy was giving prosthetic, but like not to the level that a prosthetic makeup needs to be. And in this scene, that damn Wicked Witch of the Northwest, East, and South, I was hating it, okay? I'm like, oh my. I literally did like this when I saw this. Like, what is this girl doing? First off, I didn't mind the prosthetics and the costume, but I was just like, why do you just have one green eye? Like, if you only had one green eye, then only one half of your face should have been painted. But if you're, oh, and she said it was one green and one black, but it just looked like green and her natural eye. <laughs> We're going to push through. We're going to push through. We're going to push through. It's still Candy Birds. It's still got a coin, got a check, booked a business. I'm sure she's getting paid on those photos somewhere, somehow. Honey, so then we get into the House Husbands of Atlanta. Ooh, 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 ooh. Okay. 
honey, and they go to Blaze, one of, again, Todd's and Candy's investments, one of their businesses. Listen, I love how, did you peek the logo on the, or I guess the signage on the outside of the restaurant? Candy and Todd. I said, I know that's right. <laughs> Todd presents. Honey, they did it like it was a movie. Candy and Todd presents. I'm like, I know that's right, bitch. That was hilarious. I said, oh, okay. Honey, I'm here for it. It looked good. I'll try it if I go back down to Atlanta. Honey, that's for marketing purposes. Makes sense. Honey, so then we see more of Ross's so fine and beautiful smile. And, ugh. Mm. We need to start ranking the hunkiest house husbands of the season. And right now, Ross, he has taken that number one spot. Ross has for sure taken number one. I mean, Ross may also take number one in house husband history for me, but specifically for this show, for sure, him number one. Right. Yeah, no, he is, not only is he dreamy and athletic and just, you know, overall, externally, Mm -hmm. check, but he seems like he really loves his family. He really loves his wife. I mean, they've been together since college. They met, what, in the, in the, um, in the dining hall? Yeah. Um, so, you know, he has an awesome smile. He seems very level-headed and like has enough of an opinion, but not too much of an opinion, which we know house husbands, sometimes they try to steal that peach and it's like, "Mm, chill out. You still secondary. Peter. Peter Thomas, we're talking to you. Um, you're still secondary, right? You're there to support your woman, prop her up, but not try to steal the show. Insert Ralph. (laughs) I'm going to call him Ralph Sedora from now on. He really, uh, he's just such a pain. Pain, a thorn in my side. And in Drew's side, most importantly. Most importantly. And honestly, the fellas were talking to him, you know, trying to get his reasoning behind this assistant madness because no one gets it. But what's crazy is that Ralph even trying to explain it to the guys makes him think and seem to really believe what he's saying. And that's the part that gets me. Like, bro, we know you're lying. We know you're full of shit. Right. I mean, the tea was spilled earlier that the assistant is 50. Cougar vibe. We really need to find her Instagram. Oh, my God. Wherever she is out there on the Internet, I just want her to reveal herself because I need to put a face to the text. And... Learning that she's 50, I mean, she might be looking good for 50. So I'm like, sis, you talk about dropping with Drew. Let's get the, the skincare routine. You know, how you keep yourself looking good at 50? Because she might get the keys. Between her having the keys and Raph just being clueless to his nonsense and his... It's honestly frustrating to watch. I mean, you even get a montage of the Tumble Dry <laughs> reference that we're seeing. I think that... Very quickly in the season, Ralph has been painted to be someone who is emotionally clueless, um, just really off base with a lot of how he thinks and how he communicates with his wife. And I mean, we're only on episode two. So I'm really curious to see, like, is this the worst of it or is it going to get more worse? Ralph is the kid in class that you root for, you want to root for, but he just keeps fucking up. It's crazy to me that Raph literally says things like, it's a matter of just believing what I say. That is so problematic. Like, so you know that you're probably lying, that you're making things up, that you're just saying things, but you want Drew, and in this context, us, viewers, you want us to just believe whatever you're saying and just go with the flow, no matter what the truth is? Like, nigga, get a fucking clue. (laughs) I just... 
I feel like we're about to go down a really deep rabbit hole with him and their whole relationship, marriage, just his antics and just the nonsense. Um, So at this point, I am very much strapped in. Clicked in. Um, I've got my, you know, my padding. At this point, I just feel like a crash dummy because there's no telling how off-road Ralph is about to go when he's behind the wheel. We had mentioned it earlier, but the toxic masculinity runs strong in that man's veins, doesn't it? It really is. And it's one of those things where I don't think he notices it. I and know. it shows even more later on in the scene. So let's just pause on him for now because I, I feel myself getting even more frustrated with his fine ass. How can you be so fine but so disgusting at the same time? How could you be so fine but so problematic? Mm. Honey, it be the fine ones though. It do. Just so you know. It do. Honestly, it is seems very characteristic of someone who looks like how he looks. It's giving narcissists. It's giving emotionally clueless. It's giving, it's Ralph's world and we're just living in it, so. Honey, poor Drew. Yikes. Anywho, we briefly see our Monty in action for Nephew's homecoming dance. And honey, she is getting him decked out he got all the labels he got the fresh cut he got the glam for you know obviously a little teen boy glam but honey she just has all the stops for her nephew and honestly it just makes me so happy to see marlo in this space because it seems genuine it doesn't seem like she's fronting for the camera it doesn't seem like she really doesn't have a relationship with her nephews and someone else is doing all the work like it genuinely feels that they have a bond they have a connection and you see a different side of marlo that i think all of us have been waiting to see because we know of marlo and the fashions and obviously we'll never know where she gets her money from which is fine it's her life hopefully she'll unpack it later But I think it's just cool to see that as stereotypically all about the fashion and the money that you think she would be, she has a soft side for her nephews. And it's a caring side. And it's almost like a motherly side, if you will, that I think is just really cool to see. You know? Yeah. I mean, I love, of course, the McQueen shoes. She was like, let me get that airman's belt. So I said, oh, okay. Michael is stepping into homecoming the right way. What I really love about Marlo, um, and one thing that actually I wanted to, to kiki with you about, number one is she recognizes that she needs a tribe to raise these young men. It's one thing to, you know, act as a single mother or a single guardian, but especially to young black boys, there are just certain things that she cannot cover alone. Um, and so I just really love her vulnerability in really just kind of recognizing and identifying that, you know, she needs the support and not even be it financial, more so emotional, um, mental, spiritual for these young men that she's raising. But what I wanted to kiki with you about is how do you feel, uh, Marlo brought up the point that she grew up struggling, right? I believe she was in the foster care system, which I never knew about her. Um, and of course, she's she's um, garnered some serious success for herself and now for being able to shower her nephews in that lifestyle. But she's concerned about the silver spoon. She really doesn't want to raise them to not have the determination and the drive to find success for themselves as they grow older. How do you feel? I mean, I know you and I plan to live a nice lifestyle for ourselves and our family future way, 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 way 
future. <laughs> no kids coming this side, no time soon. But just understand that you and I, you know, we have similar kind of humble beginnings. Um, but how do you toe the line of providing for your ch- family and for your children, but not allowing them to, to be spoiled? Yeah, I think it's a it's a really fine line to balance. Um, but I liked what Candy sort of mentioned, and she said it's actually in her play, which is a, a little plug. But I like what she said that the idea that the black experience is only of struggle is something that's annoying and something that's really monolithic when it comes to media. Because in reality, not all of us struggle. Not everyone is struggling. Yes, it is a struggle. It is a common struggle of people. But not everyone is poor. Not everyone comes from, you know, drug-stricken homes and things of that nature. And so I see both sides. And I think that it's important to make sure that, you know, they recognize that they have a privilege and that that isn't the common lifestyle of everyone in the world to you know be able to have McQueen sneakers and to be able to have a fabulous Monty like Marlo that buys lavish things for you but I do think there's something to note in that there's nothing wrong with the life that you have as long as you recognize that you do have a privilege and you don't use that against you know people who don't have that same privilege but that instead you use it to, to uplift and empower those that don't have what you have the lesser privilege i think it's a balance like for me ultimately my kids whenever you know i finally make it in and making money and i'm successful and blah 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 yeah i plan for them to you know be able to live a life that i didn't you know i want them to be able to travel i want them to have very nice things but i also want them to know you know hard work and no values and also know where I came from and the fact that you know it was a very poverty stricken community so I want them to understand that but also not be ashamed of where they come from or like the privilege that they have because it's you should be grateful that we've been able to work hard for this because we have worked hard I've worked hard for this and I don't want to be able to not show that so I see both sides but I'm sort of on candy with this in that you know she shouldn't be ashamed to present her nephews with gifts and and let them do whatever they want to do as long as she's instilling those great values and respect and and those types of things into them then i think there's nothing wrong with it yeah i mean i totally agree tools like nepotism and generational wealth are for whatever reason not seen to be resources that we can use in our experience and in our communities versus non-black folks right it's it's kind of regular right to be put on by a family member to be um, handed down money assets resources from previous generations so i think marlo should approach it in that way you know it's really how you instill values and morals in these children and not so much what they have but what's in their brain and how they approach life and she now we will continue to see how Miss Marlo Hampton is transitioning into someone who seems to have extremely high worth work ethic. Now, we, there were some sugar daddies, billionaires in the past, and hey, maybe that requires work ethic too to keep a billionaire by your side. Exactly, because I don't have a billionaire on my side and I don't know how to do it, so. True, that takes a certain type of person too, and that takes drive and determination as well. Um, So, you know, through her business, I feel like she's, setting the example and that's all she can really do for her nephews shout out to Marls, honey now finally we're back with the sedora bunch Mm-mm. and first off i gotta say i wasn't a huge fan of drew's outfit did not like the shape honestly i didn't feel like it didn't fit in the back i feel like there was one of those little mm, the 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 zipper didn't yeah i just think it wasn't quite altered to her body but 
that mug and the hair, honey, she looked good. So how many wig? We need to keep a wig count for Drew. I don't know, but I want to know her, who her new wig artist is because that person needs a feature. That person needs a peach. Honey, Miss Lawrence ain't got nothing on that pluck. Listen, it, and it had the color too. You know, the roots mm-hmm. look natural with that platinum blonde. Um, but no, it seemed like Ralph really pulled out all the stops. There were um, roses. Her team, I think, was were they flewed out for this? I think they were flewed out. I don't know if they were flewed out, but they definitely were, you know, brought on. They knew when and where to show up. Mm-hmm. So there, she's taken to, it's all a surprise, and she's taken to his tailor's showroom. And we see them, there's a whole dinner landscape set up with tons of roses, which, I mean, if you were to count the bouquets and the petals, that's money right there. <laughs> roses are not cheap. Roses are red and roses are not cheap. So applaud him for the setup, but it's what to come that really just makes me hang my head in shame. I mean, at the beginning, I was like, okay, maybe this is it. Ralph had a kiki with his homeboys, with the husbands. They all know he on some bullshit. Maybe he's actually going to try to do something nice and try to listen and they'll get some dialogue across because I genuinely didn't think that this was going to be at the core of her storyline. Right. But as soon as she's starting to attempt to express herself and I didn't see anything wrong with what Drew was saying. She was just saying, hey, I want us to be able to communicate more openly. I want us to be able to have that dialogue. I want to be able to express myself freely you know, normal, quote-unquote, things that you see in relationships, in healthy relationships, that is. But you instantly see his face, his demeanor, his energy just change. Like, everything shifts. It's almost like he turns into someone completely different, someone who does not care about Drew, who does not care about their relationship, and starts to immediately gaslight her and says things like, what's wrong? Why do you feel intimidated by her, the assistant? And she needs to listen to, um, who is it, Dr. Ken, and understand how to talk to men appropriately. Like, what the fuck even is that? Talk to men appropriately? How do you talk to him? She's talking to Drew as if Drew is his child. Yeah, I mean, it's just really... <laughs> uncomfortable to watch she remember she had to look up the the definition of gaslight in the confessional and it's like yeah that's literally what's going that's the situation that's the current situation it's literally textbook definition if you look up gaslight in miriam webster's dictionary actually i think you might see a picture of ralph mr ralph sedora with the assistant probably the mug just right there he had even mentioned something like oh that's how east coast men talk Honey, I'm a man and I'm from the East Coast and I do not talk like that. I just really don't understand. I mean, she was really, she was literally brought to tears by the disappointment in the situation. I mean, he got up and left her there. Like, I just don't understand his motive. Like, he seems like he's extremely driven by ego. I had mentioned earlier, you know, the narcissist piece. I'm just, just so disappointed. I mean, you see him at home with the family and it seems like there's a strong family unit between the two of them. We see him at home with the kids and, you know, I mean, it's all for television, but he seems like a good, well-rounded dad. But the husband game, 
He's in last place. In last place. And it's really sad to see. And it made me think of something. Typically, when you meet men and partners in general, there are certain things or values that they either have or they don't have or, or skills that they learn or communication tactics that they may learn or need to learn. If you were to meet a guy and he quite literally had just this idea that men were supposed to be treated a certain way and honored and you should just listen to whatever they say and that they're the head of the household blah 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 could you be with a guy like that like does a guy like that change or is it one of those things where like girl just go the opposite direction because i mean remember they didn't date for long and that's my fear and i really truly feel in my bones that drew is extremely afraid of divorce like it seemed as though that scene gave me the vibe that she just she didn't she wanted to maintain the peace but she's conflicted she doesn't want to be left by this man who clearly doesn't know how to communicate um but she wants to share how she's feeling so that things improve i mean we know they're either in therapy or have gone to therapy but i just really want her to spread her wings and to speak up and to really just shut down this whole tumble dry groundhog's day that she's in it's really just disheartening and i just feel like i don't know maybe by putting this on the silver screen she'll be able to clue up and to see you know the errors in his ways and maybe it's not worth the sacrifice but I was like, so you paid all this money. Now, we don't know if uh, Rafa gave the budget or I don't know what's going on. But you pay all this money to surprise your wife with this candlelit dinner, catered. You know, you got her all dolled up, arranged for her private car. And then you walk out on the dinner. I mean, I just, how egotistical are you that you are willing to literally leave your crying wife behind? It just doesn't make sense. And that's where I... I'm starting to, you know, I mean, assume that at least he might be a narcissist. Oh, yeah, think it's so sad to see. And I think you bring up a good point in that hoping this brings to light their issues and that Drew can really, you know, truly take a look into their situation and internally to figure out what she wants to do. Because I think, you know, reality TV has a very negative connotation in that it's known to break up couples. Literally. And... In the past, I was like, yeah, it does. You shouldn't go on reality TV if you want to survive and thrive as a couple. But now that I'm looking at the Drew situation, I don't think reality TV ruins relationships. I think reality TV just brings to light the issues that a lot of couples you typically wouldn't acknowledge because it's not in front of them on camera. Yeah. So they're not looking at it from an outside perspective. They're quite literally just living it. And a lot of times when you're in toxic relationships or emotionally abusive and manipulative relationships, typically you don't really recognize when things are a problem or when you're being gaslit or if someone is, you know, um, mentally abusing you. And so I think in this situation, Drew is going to be in for a rude awakening uh, when she sees her in this scene on TV because it's heartbreaking. Like, you're quite literally crying at the hands of the one man that is supposed to love and protect you no matter what. And it seems like the biggest issue is just he does not know how to communicate because he's blinded by that ego. And that's sad, but unfortunately, that's something that you can't teach a man or you can't teach anyone. They have to willingly give up that ego and remove that facade. And if he's not willing to do that, then honey, 
I don't think it's gonna last. And that's really sad because how many kids he got? One, just one or two. Two, and then Drew has one from a previous relationship who, you know, Ralph kind of claims as his own. Honestly, I just pray that they can get it together because I would hate for Drew and Ralph's marriage to end just because of a communication issue. Like that's something that you could just talk about, try to heal from, grow from, but only if both parties are willing and able and it sounds like Drew is, but I'm not as confident about Ralph. I'm going to call him Wreck-It Ralph for now. Actually, I changed from um, Ralph Sedora to Wreck-It Ralph. Um, as she described the maniac <laughs> Ralph, I just, you know, I just hope he wakes up and sees the air in his ways. Honey, same. Honey, same. Mm, that's really sad. Anywho, on a lighter note. On a much lighter note. Who's your peach of the week, sis? So I am going to give my peach of the week to a woman who is about her business, a woman who never fumbles the bag, a woman who really we should all aspire to when it comes to savviness, talent, um, really just a long-standing career. I'm going to just give it to Miss Candy Burris Tucker. Booked and busy. When she dropped that tea about the play. <laughs> now, we this isn't her first play. We remember A Mother's Love, but this is on Broadway play. A me producer. So whether it be A Mother's Love or Thoughts of a Colored Man, I'm giving my peach to Miss Candy Burris Tucker for really just aspiring everyone out there to keep their eye on the prize and provide for their family. Aw, I love that. Shout out to Candy. And a mother's love. Honey, a mother's love. <laughs> well, this week, I'm going to give my peach to Miss Drusadora. And honestly, the reason why I'm going to do that is because I really feel bad for her. Yeah. I will say leading up until this, I was hard on Drew just because, you know, her fashions are sometimes not there. Sometimes she's not quite believable with the stories and the angles that she's showcasing on the show. But I feel like tonight on this episode was the first time where I truly realized that I think she's in a marriage that she sort of is just trying to save. You know, she was raised in the church. Her mom is a preacher. She probably, to your point, does not believe in divorce and is trying to do whatever she can to make it work. And unfortunately, she's just with an asshole of a husband. And that's just something that she can't help specifically when she met him and they got married so quickly and she probably didn't know him all the way. And so I just want to send her light and love because that's sad. She got two kids by this man and he's an ass. He is quite literally a dick. So hopefully that peach should give her some energy to leave that man or to figure it out because girl, he is not it. He is not even that cute to be doing all this. Take your peach juice and run, honey. Just run. Okay, so a love and light peach. We like that. See, we have a heart here at BRK Pod. It isn't just all shade all the time. It really isn't. We love Drew. We love all the ladies of Rahua. And honey, I know that they're going to be back next week for some drama, I'm sure. Absolutely. And I will be right there, Perch Tune In. Perch Tune In. Make sure you check us out next week for another new episode. Make sure you tune in on Bravo for the latest episode of Real Housewives of Atlanta. And please... Share with us on social who your Peach of the Week is. Are you with Fresh and the Team Candy? Are you with me and Team Drew Sedora? Or do you have another Peach in mind? Because that's fine too. Let us know in the comments. Hashtag Team Candy. Hashtag Team Drew. Or who you think really championed this week of Real Housewives of Atlanta. 
Honey, this was cute. It was a cute little filler episode. I think, you know, we're still building up for whatever is to come. So I'll take whatever I can get from Bravo at this point. <laughs> yep. Stay in tuned and come back and listen and kiki with us on next week's episode. I think that's it, right? Yeah. Holler back. Peace out. Thanks for listening to Black Reality Kiki. Like and subscribe for more from your favorite Black Reality gurus. Till next time, keep it peachy, y'all. Bye.